When media people talk about frequency, they're talking about how often the ad gets played. But the secret isn't how often the ad gets played, it's about how often the ad gets played to the same people over and over again. In other words, you don't want to play your ad just a few times to a lot of people, you want to play your ad a lot of times to a very small number of people so that you can hit them relentlessly. So frequency and repetition are a key element in advertising. And to talk about that today on the Wizards Roundtable, we got a bunch of Wizard of Ads partners. In Pensacola, Florida, the professor, Jeff Sexton. In Toronto, we have both Gary Bernier and Stephen Semple. And in Austin, Texas is Joe Hamilton. We're going to talk today about not only how long you should let ads play, but how frequent a group of people should hear the ads in order for it to start making impact. We had a great conversation with all of these marketers, so much so that we're going to break this up into multiple episodes. But we're going to begin with Jeff Sexton explaining why it's so important to get repetition. I think there is a mistake by... Maybe ad writers or advertising people think, oh, well, my ad's so good, it can run once and it'll, it'll be good. Um, as if every ad is, is uh, um, Apple 1984 Super Bowl ad, right? With one win, one resolve, one cause. Our enemies shall talk themselves to death, and we will bury them with their own confusion. We shall prevail. On January 24th, Apple Computer will introduce Macintosh. And you'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984. The vast majority of ads don't make that kind of impact on the first, first viewing. Um, and so you need repetition. And so in the wizard world, we talk about, um, you know, the more salient your ad is, the less repetition it needs. But compared to people's lives, your ad is low salience. So it needs repetition. Sleep also is like the great eraser of, of information, superfluous information from the day, right? You clear your mind every time you go to sleep. So our general formula is um, a, you want the average listener to hear the ad at least three times in the week so that it, the residue of it will stick, mm -hmm. right? And that's assuming your ad has decent impact. Which is, um, which is assuming a lot. Um, right. Most ads don't have that, uh, that, that kind of 1984 impact. Uh, they're somewhere between horribly boring and, uh, and, and remarkable. Does the same apply? And, you know, Gary, I know you work a lot in the digital world, and Stephen, uh, you, you come from direct mail. Um, does the same apply in all other media? From the, from the digital space, Johnny, if you're trying to create a brand, message like we are trying to trying to get people to create a bond with you then yeah they need to they need to be touched more than once you think about it like a any normal human interaction if i meet you once you i'm not necessarily going to remember that interaction six months later unless you were a movie star or somebody significant in my life so it same same thing applies there on the on the digital side is yeah if you're trying to build that bond with the customer and, and keep keep that communication going, you want that repetition. Stephen? Yeah, one is absolutely true. Um, and, and one of the most interesting studies I've ever come across was one where Canada Post did a study with a credit card company. And this credit card company had like a multi-piece mailer that went out. And what they found was the third piece of mail had the, had the 
greatest response. And so what they did is they said, okay, well, let's now resend this out, but let's change the order. Let's shuffle the deck and send it out again. Cause is it, and, and let's see whether we get the same response, get the same thing. And guess what? The third piece had the highest response, different third piece, different third piece, which speaks to the power of repetition. And some of the most successful direct mail companies out there will tell you, how long do you run the direct mail campaign? When people, you run it until people stop buying. And, and there is a famous one, Hume Publication, which used to send out these investment magazines. They would run campaigns that would be 40 and 50 pieces long because they're like, yeah, people are still buying, so we're going to keep mailing it. Um, and in fact, it was not unusual that it would, it would, that it would rise over time. And Joe, you come to us from the media buying side. Um, a, a large frequency in what period of time are we looking for? So, so I'm I'm attempting on every single radio station to to hit the three frequency, uh, regardless of how much I'm spending in any market. My goal is always to hit a three frequency on every single station. And um, define define a three frequency for businesses. Uh, three frequency is when uh, the average listener hears your ad three times in a given week. In a given week. Okay. Yeah. To get to that level um, requires a certain number of ads to play overall. And that may vary depending on audience size and how long they're listening. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely going to vary on audience size. Age of the audience is, is going to have to play into it. Uh, the younger an audience tends to be the much more difficult it is to actually retain that audience. And, and over the past few years, I've noticed also that uh, overall, getting that three frequency has become harder and harder uh, just because we're give, we're allotting less and less time, I think, to to uh, what we're doing with every with everything that we do. So, um, you know, some stations require in a smaller market, maybe uh, 21 was the old formula. And in other, in other markets, it could be over 100 spots that, and uh, one given radio station on one given week to get to a single three frequency. I was going to say the other thing, Joe, I'd like Joe to talk about, because I think it's fascinating, is the bigger the city, the higher the frequency actually has to be, right? In a small town with not much happening, you can get away with a little bit of a lower frequency. The reason for that is because in a small town, you have fewer advertisers. And the fewer advertisers there are, the easier it is to be heard. Uh, when you when you are in a big town like, say, New York, you and you, you need that 100-something spots because there are so many people advertising. There's so much noise being made in the market that yours has to really stand out, either in repetition or, as Jeff spoke about earlier, in sales. One of the things that we look at as well is what's called share of voice, which is how much your ad is playing compared to people in your category. And as we maybe come out of the pandemic times and possibly going into a recessionary times, share of voice seems to have changed uh, for the better for people who are still on the air. What, what are you guys seeing? What I'm currently seeing is that the, the, uh, the guys who can afford the bigger advertisers, Ford, GM, Coca-Cola, et cetera, as soon as the numbers came back, they have gone back to their million dollar a year spins in, in every given market. Um, and then the, the larger guys who uh, tended to already dominate a market, maybe a locally owned person or not quite a Fortune 500, but a big company also able to afford to get back on. Um, the, the average guy is not quite there yet. So, so is it accurate to say that as we look into the second half of 2020, that there's less clutter out there? 
there's currently less clutter out there, yes. But, you know, we, it's very hard to predict right now what's actually going to happen. So you, you started a campaign and you have uh, a series of ads that you're going to run. How long should each ad stay on? How many ads do you run at a time? These are, these are questions that businesses wrestle, wrestle with a lot. Um, you may have heard of the Yankovich study that talks about 5,000 branded messages or 8,000, depending on which number. And that's, you know, to my mind, that's always been a little inflated because they're talking about like the polo on your shirt message. And when you open your cupboard, the, the ads in the cereal box, right? Like the branding on the cereal boxes. And that's how they get to that huge number. But when they talk about actual advertisements, the number is 362. That's what Yankovic says. In a day? In a day, yes. But they say you're only even peripherally aware of them. You only peripherally note them. 153 of them. So about half, less than half. And then you're only consciously really aware of 86 of them. And you only mentally engage with 12 of them. So 3% of the ads, right? Um, and so one of the things repetition does is it helps to draw people's mental, if the ad's any good at all, it helps to draw people's attention to it. If you think about it, like if you see, you're driving down the street and you see a, a wizard, like someone dressed in wizard's robes or a gorilla suit, we'll just say a gorilla suit, you'll note it maybe, <laughs> and then you'll forget about it because some weirdo's walking down in a gorilla suit. But if you see like five of them, you're like, what? What is going on there? And, you know, if you hear an ad peripherally, it's just an ad. But if you keep hearing those ads, eventually you'll be tuned in. Like, who, who is this person that's constantly talking? So that's one of the things that a lower impact ad can gain um, mind space simply through that repetition. Right? It's one of the things that happens. Typically, what we have done with the three frequency has been to run the ad for a month. Um, at some point, it was to run two ads in rotation for a month. And the question becomes, what happens if you run it too long? And what happens if you don't run it enough? So if you run it too long, what you run the risk of are two things. One people tuning it out because they've already heard it and they don't write it becomes noise or two, that becomes annoying. <laughs> and then they associate your company with annoyance, which is not a good thing. Um, and so that's what you're trying to avoid, right? You're trying to avoid either having them tune it out because they've heard it enough and they know every word of it or, or they're annoyed by it. Um, and I think what Joe will talk about is that's become more of a problem recently with so many people running COVID style ads in these unprecedented times. And there's been a, you know, an ad that, that basically they plays all of them over each other and they basically follow the same formula. At times like these, during these difficult times, in these troubled times, challenging times, trying times, in these times of uncertainty, during this time of great uncertainty, during these uncertain times, uh, so it becomes Charlie Brown, wah, wah, wah. But it's also, as uh, I think Joe was talking about earlier, it's an annoyance because it's drawing your attention to something negative. Yeah. 
And so the ability to burn out your ad becomes much higher, right? That people are looking to be entertained. They're looking for novelty. They're looking for something, a bright, bright spot. And the, and the other point that we talked about, Jeff, is with Joe was the listening pattern. And if you're, as he said, tuning in for your country break in the evening or you're tuning in for your rock and roll break, you're, you're tuning in and listening to the radio because it's part of your entertainment. So that, like you said, you're escaping. We're turning back to radio to escape the bad news, to escape the everyday. Yeah, and I think we're, this is where Joe and I are very much on the same page is um, we're increasing the, the frequency of rotating the ads out. Right. And we're making sure the ads have what, what psychologists would call its emotive quality is upbeat and positive and that we're not talking about COVID or these unprecedented times or. So um, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of variables here, though. You know, how salient is the message? How relevant is it to me? Uh, how positive or negative is it? You know, there's a lot of levers there to pull. Um, so it, I, I think it makes it harder to put some sort of tangible metric on it given those variables? Well, I think, I think one of the mistakes that advertisers make, and they make it whether they're designing a trade show booth or picking a radio ad or looking at a billboard or any of those things, is, is the surrounding context. Um, every billboard looks great when it's the only thing that's on your computer screen. Every trade show booth looks great when it's the only thing that's on your computer screen. Every radio ad sounds great when you just listen to that ad. And, but when you suddenly listen to that ad in the context of what everybody else is doing, suddenly you're like, holy crap, I'm saying the same thing as everybody else. Or the moment I see that trade show booth and I picture it in amongst all the other trade show booths is like, Jesus Christ, mine, are the same, mine is the same as everybody else's except I'm blue and they're green. Um, so I think the, the issue here is, is context becomes really important, but now more than ever, because the context three weeks ago is different than it is today, which is going to be different than it is three weeks from now. We don't even know what it is three weeks from now. Every week right now is a lifetime in terms of what's going on. And we have to be constantly aware of that and adjusting accordingly. Um, and listening to what are others doing and resisting the temptation. Well, if they're doing it, I need to do it. No, no. If they're doing it, I can't do it. I need to do something, something different. And I think the problem is, 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 is sometimes businesses and whatnot, they're, they're making that decision without really thinking about it in the broader context. This is an ad that's going to be heard in a flight of ads. Stephen, that, that was a brilliant tip that you gave anybody that's, listening to this round table is Amen to that. is to take whatever ad they have and put it into that context and also to change that context. Cause as you said, the context is changing week to week, month to month. So what worked last month won't necessarily work this month or a message that cut through the clutter and was impactful one way, all of a sudden gets copied by everybody else and, and is no longer cutting through. So I think that was a fantastic tip that you gave to take any, piece of creative and put it into context and try and look at it up against the, um, the competition and see if, see what kind of impact factor it has. Pandemic aside, uh, you know, some of these things are, are fundamentals too of, of advertising, uh, whether there is uh, COVID or not COVID. Um, so what is the risk of leaving an ad on too long or even pulling it off too soon? 
Well, I'm glad. I'm actually glad that you asked that question, Johnny, because one the reason that this all came about is watching that fatigue that I spoke of earlier. Since about Y2K for the past 20 years, the more people are connected online and on their phones and on Twitter, the less I got, I actually began to wonder is, is the perception of time changing? And I said to myself, no, the perception of same time actually can't change. That's not possible. What is possible is how people are willing to allot their time, how much time they're willing to give you and listen to you. And as wizard partners, we have this wonderful term called brandable chunks. And so if the brandable chunks are threaded between the messages and you're actually running a campaign, if you're a little bit too short with an ad, it may not matter because the brandable chunk carries from one ad over to another ad, or you've actually designed the campaign to carry a brandable chunk from one ad to the next ad, or they're linked in some sort of way. Um, because instead of what we were talking about was an overlapping strategy, instead of running one ad for a month and then another ad for a month, it was like, okay, run this one, two weeks later, start another one, then swap and sort of have an overlapping strategy for the ad rotation and allow the brandable chunks in the middle to sort of blend those, those concepts together. Jeff, you want to talk more to that? Yeah, I mean, um, and I want to give credit to uh, our, our colleague, Chris Maddock, who kind of came up with that term and that technique. And the entire idea was how do you create repetition with, that, with enough variety to prevent boredom, right? So not every randable chunk is in every ad and not every, and, and when they are in the, all in the same ad, they're not all in the same spot, right? And, and the variation on how they're phrased can be, in, be enough to make it interesting. We're very and used I, to taglines. We're very used to the ad ending and saying, McDonald's, right. I'm loving it. Uh, brandable chunks have the ability to show up at about any place in an ad, uh, which, adds, which adds both consistency and variety at the same time. Right. And they tend to be micro positioning rather than global positioning. So yeah. it's, it's a persuasive point made sharply and hard hitting rather than trying to encompass the entirety like a slogan does. Mm -hmm. um, but if you think about it, it's similar to episodic TV, right? And the, and the idea in Hollywood is I want the same thing, but different. So every episode of MASH or Cheers before long-term TV, every episode was kind of the same, right? It followed a similar arc. It had the same characters. They same had the bad same time, place. same bad channel. Right, exactly. <laughs> but it was different enough that it was interesting. And that's... Yeah, that's boom. Yeah, that's the beauty of having a campaign that is thematically consistent and having those brandable chunks that has the messaging consistency, right? So you're pounding home that messaging consistency with the frequency that we need for it to sink in but you're keeping enough variation to keep their attention. So let's stop there because we're getting into brandable chunks, which is a really interesting topic in and of itself. And so we're going to spend a little more time on that in the next episode of the Wizards Roundtable. In the meantime, if you have any questions, please put them in the comments below, or you can send an email to any one of us.